This week's episode of Uncommon Deeds is brought to you by Barry Tile and Morrison Clark, located on the South Barry Road, 802-476-0912, celebrating 50 years in 2022. Also brought to you by Bushy's Generator Sales and Service in Brookfield and Springfield, Vermont, serving all of New England. We keep your power on. Bushy'sGenerator.com, 802-591-1903. I'm Justin St. Louis. And I'm Tom Corbett. And this is Uncommon Deeds. Welcome, everybody, to our anniversary week. What is this, Wednesday? As you're listening to it, if you are listening to it on day one, which I'm expecting everyone is listening to this the day there it comes out, test. Yeah. as it is, uh, it has been a hot, hot topic on our Facebook page. A lot of people excited for this episode, The Legend of Bucktona. Ah. I like what you did there. Hot, too. Hot. Because of the fire of the cars burning to the ground. That's what I was going for. Yeah, I know. No, it wasn't. Take the win, man. Uh, yeah, this one is just... I don't even... It's just hilarious. Like, we didn't even really have to do anything <laughs> in this one. <laughs> we just kind of asked a question, and Justin and Jared Hart just went to town. And that was it. They alternated pee breaks like in unison with each other. It was great. It was it was good. This one might be our most conversational podcast that we've done. Yeah, where there was no really very little that sounded like an interview, quote unquote, or anything oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. It was like, oh, everyone's sitting around the campfire and you happen to have some microphones out. Yeah, there was a lot of beer consumed. I didn't have anything scripted or written down or anything. Whatever I said in the intro, I'd made it up on the spot. I don't even know what I said anymore. When did we work? It was like, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago we did this? Uh, it was a couple three. weeks. I think it was only a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime. But <laughs> So, yes, we, we did this one a few weeks ago, which sometimes when we do it ahead of time and I don't edit them, it makes the editing process more fun. Because I'm listening back and I don't remember what we talked about. Yeah. Yep. So that's nice. But as I've been going, this one was a funny one. It's a fun one. It went not just Bucktona. We went to some different places. I think there were some street stock stories with you and Justin. Were there in the recorded I don't part? remember. I don't that's either. It. We mentioned this on a different episode that we talked with Jared and Justin for probably a half hour before we hit record, mm-hmm. then a solid 45 minutes after we stopped recording. Yeah, at least. So I'm not very deep into the editing, so a lot of the stuff has blended together. So I don't know what was where. So we'll which is all exciting. find out together then. So that's exciting. Yeah. I know certain things that were said were not mentioned in the podcast. Yes, that's true. This episode is about as close to Uncommon Deeds After Dark as we get, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There were a few during that after recording powwow where it was brought up a couple times. Like, hey, we're not recording, right? Right, right. Like, no. Okay, in that case, 
Then the tea was spilt. There was spillage of tea. Mm-hmm. All over the place. Oh man. Bakhtona, I think I did I think I do remember that I described in the episode what it's about. So I guess I don't have to do that here. But let me just tell you, from somebody who was there, it was one of the most fun days I've ever had in my life, whether it was in or out of a race car. My God, what a time. It was amazing. Yeah, and a lot of stories. This would have been a decent, if we had had, oh, well, we had a lot of lead time, but, you know, if we had more hours to put in where we could have gotten, like, the best stories. Rounded up some stuff. Yeah, if we just put out on Facebook, hey, send us your best Bucktona story, and we just took, like, the top ten and then read those stories. Wow. To Jared and Justin, that would have been cool. Maybe we could do that next year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who knows? Wednesday, February, whatever, twenty twenty three. We'll do. We'll do that. It's a date. Maybe. Sweet. I think they'd be down to do part two. Oh, absolutely. As would we, I think. Given the fact that we. <laughs> Which chewed the fat for another two yeah. hours. <laughs> Justin and I are idiots. You know, we mention that often, but we did. And I think I actually came up with the question and it popped into my head. I messaged. Oh, yes. I messaged you. This is a good follow up. Like, I don't know. We should have asked. So I reached out to Jared. I'm like, so do you know of any confirmed Bucktona children? He said none confirmed. So, so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. It's like one of those late night commercials. If you think you were a child of Bucktona, you may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> <laughs> the Bucktona babies. Uh, oh, there's got to be at least one. I feel like I feel like that's that's a good wager. That kid is 12 plus years old right now. Is it Caden Fisher? Was the champion born because of Bucktona? No. That would be the greatest <laughs> story. I feel like we would break the greater Vermont internet. <laughs> the central Vermont internet would be broken. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I, hope, I hope Jamie Fisher was there. I, I don't believe he was, but, man. That would have been the best. You never know. Uh, it's our anniversary. Friday is almost to the day of our first episode. But we look at this kind of as the beginning of, of season two. I'm calling it 53A in my logbook. Okay. I just yeah. I think I put it in as bonus. Bonus. I think I've been putting a – now that we've had many extras – Right. This is the first. <laughs> right. The bonus. Bonus. Which, Justin and I have talked about this. Not what I'm about to say, per se. Uh, but if you have a good idea, like a Bucktona, that you think we should we should enjoy doing a bonus episode, oh, something yeah. that's probably not – doesn't have enough meat for the full hour and a half, two hours – but a solid like 45 minutes fascinating 
story, send it to us. Yeah, we could do a couple of those, sandwich them together. Yeah, we want to try to get a few more bonus episodes in in uh, this new year. New year, new deeds. Dirty deeds, uncommon oh, deeds. Well, there might be. There might be some dirty deeds. That's- oh, we should tell the story. Have we already done this? Of the packing peanuts. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't? No. Oh, my God, Tom. The 2004 Milk Bowl. I was... Uh, okay, that's the next bonus show. Uh, okay. I was a freshman in college in Bangor, Maine at the time. I, I, I got, I'll tell you after. I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, but I was central to the whole thing. <laughs> not, not that this show needs to be about me any more than I already bogart the mic as it is, but... Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty legendary moment. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do something. I feel like we could also do some of the bonus episodes. Like we've talked about doing a, like a video diary on yeah. races. I feel like we could also potentially do like a podcast on on a race, like a really good race. On just one race. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Like a half hour or so. Yeah. Talk to a couple of different guys, like 2000 mid-season championship at Thunder Ooh. Road. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. The night that Tracy Bellrose went out of the park was an insane night anyway, on top of her crash. You were Phil just Scott searching and- for that video, by the way. Yeah, I was. Uh, well, Tracy messaged me looking for it. Phil Scott and Jamie Fisher, speaking of Jamie, tied for the late model championship that night. And it was Bush North night. And Brian Hoare won. It was his only Bush North win. It was, I think, the last Bush North race at Thunder Road. It was a big night. I like the way you think, man. Yeah. So we got... (laughs) What a broken record. We've got ideas, man. Yeah. (laughs) And we do want to start doing, at some point, some video stuff. So hopefully a Uncommon Media YouTube page in the near future. Yeah, we got to put your uh, diploma to use. Yeah, it's it's got great use in a cardboard box sitting in a storage unit. That is prime, prime stuff going on there. We are at one year, and we would not be at one year without the help of some fantastic sponsors throughout this first season. And first of all, Massetti Brothers Custom Vinyl Lettering. Established in 2005. Office, truck, motorsports, logo design. They did uh, all of the Uncommon Deeds logos. That was all Paul. We just gave him kind of an idea. He went with it, nailed it. We did no revisions. One take. Boom. And printed all the Uncommon Deeds decals that Mm -hmm. have gone out. Are you an OG or are you a second gen? Because we've got the black letters with white background as the original. So now we've got the white letters with black background as round two of the decals. And that's how when we're driving down 89, that's how we're going to be able to tell how far back your listenership goes on this podcast based on the color of decal that you've got on your. You know, for whatever reason, 
it is very hard for me to see the difference. It takes me like double no, takes I'm, I know. Yeah. to figure out which one I have. And I messed it up once. I mentioned that story. Yeah. Or I went to put a new one on and I put an old one. Uh, but no, all those decals, that was Massetti Brothers custom vinyl lettering. Open by appointment in Williamstown, 802-249-3763. You can email jpmassetti at gmail.com. Gmail. Or Facebook, Paul Massetti. That's M-A-S-C-I-T-T-I, Massetti Brothers, custom vinyl lettering, designed to win. Speaking of the Massetti Brothers, the other brother involved in this is Michael John Massetti uh, over at ProHeat. And um, he is crazy busy right now, which means he's good at what he does. Um, it is super winter right now in Vermont. And if you're in the central Vermont area and you need something for your home, heat, hot water needs, a little repair on the boiler, um, or if you want to prepare for next season or whatever the case may be, get a hold of Michael John Massetti at ProHeat. And he's got you covered. East Montpelier, Berlin. Uh, Barry, that whole Washington County kind of stamp, uh, 802-479-9330. Um, that's the office, or you can call directly 272-0964. And we're going to hear more from Pro Heat coming up in April, um, as they celebrate their 20th anniversary. But, um, want to, want to give a special shout out to both Paul and MJ for their support, um, of our shows here in the first year. Absolutely. We uh, probably would not be as far as we currently are without them, without all of the sponsors who have come on board and not just for us, for the Crunch Bunch podcast, which just came out a couple days ago. If you haven't listened to it, please go listen to it. Go listen to it. But uh, Goss Dodge, Donnie Yates, Yates Auto Body. Our current run of sponsors, Barry Tile. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service. Man, it's cool when razors help racers. And um, we're we're the beneficiaries of that for sure. Yeah. We receive a lot more than we give. That is very true. As far as that goes. You know, we're fully open and we mention it at the end of the podcast, how you can get a hold of us if you want to hop on board with this crazy, crazy train of uncommon media and you know we're pretty excited we got a new one new sponsor on board for next week this week we are in the middle of our three-peat of podcasts and there is no better time than right now for justin to make today's introduction so imagine 43 cars with the windows smashed out of them, no fire suits, barely any helmets, an old school bus as the wall. And eventually, because it's inevitable, one big ass fire from a broken gas line that takes an hour and a bulldozer to put out. You might think I'm talking about the 1950s when all those tracks used to pop up in cornfields, but no, this was 2009 and it was a real thing. There are color photographs and videos to prove it. And we have the most iconic promoters of any stock car race that have ever happened in the state of Vermont, Jared and Justin Hart. And we're talking about Bucktona International Speedway and the Hart 100. 
God damn it, what a show it was. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a show. Yeah. Tom, were you there that day? I was not. Well, I was. And I had a I had a quote unquote race car. Actually, I had a roll cage. Uh one of the few. And uh, one of the few. Our, our okay. buddy Ben Bushy gave gave me the car. And I did not know what I was getting myself into. Um, when I said, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. Whatever. It's fine. And I showed up and there's a line all the way out to friggin' Randolph to get in. I'm telling you, it was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced, but why did I experience it? <laughs> what, what, what in the hell were you guys thinking? Well, it started, uh, I bought a trailer with 13 acres, uh, from one of my dad's friends in 2004 uh, in September and the guy I bought it off from had uh, he collected old Mopars and at one time he had 100 Mopars out back and when I bought it there was 50 and he would go up and mow and brush hog um, in between the cars and he actually took enough time that when he put the cars up there he had them in a line so you actually could drive around them to see what was there which inevitably became the front stretch. Sure. Yeah. And the bus, he parked it there and he built wooden shelves and he had old Mopar parts he would sell. And when I first bought the place, a lot of deer out back. So I'd grab a beer and I'd sit in the front seat of the bus and I'd hunt from it. This is uh, Justin Hart speaking, by the way, folks. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so I, I would say I bought the place in September of 04 could be getting it wrong, but I believe Sid Sweet bought an enduro car for the following year, and he drove it up to the house, and we went out back, and we did a couple hot laps, and it was, you know, the front stretch was really nice, and then it went down into a swamp, like mm-hmm. a one-lane bullshit mud hole, and then kind of popped back up the dry ground, and then we went over the hump where turn three is now, and... Uh, like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So we had all winter to think about it, what we were going to do with what we just bought. <laughs> and uh, I believe in 05, so when I was racing, I kept my car at my dad's house and then Eric Schlue's house. In 04, when I bought the trailer, it had a garage. So in 05, I kept my car in the garage at my trailer so we got a pretty good idea of buying a couple junk cars just to go pound the shit out of you know we used to have some gatherings there and uh thought it'd be a good idea to race them at night so sometimes after thunder road we go out and park trucks and turn the headlights on and just pound the shit out of junk cars on a swamp freaking racetrack so that's kind of how it got the ball rolling. And then we had a uh, supper party where we actually could see. And uh, yeah, I can't place. imagine getting it. You could barely get around there in the daytime at night. Oh, must have been impossible. Pretty near. I mean, oh, yeah. 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 Sometimes we couldn't go into turn two because there was two feet of water. So we'd just stop and just start dragging the front stretch back and forth and pulling e brakes. And until <laughs> the car broke, we'd blow the right side tires off the e brake would car so we pop the tire off the bead and we didn't have enough ambition to go change the tire by that time it was like two o'clock in the morning so we probably just went to bed 
in summer and fall it was easier to race up there because it's usually drier. Spring was awful. Yeah. Backstretch was basically, I mean, it was a pond. And then uh, we had a, a gathering at Justin's house. And uh, I had an old 89 uh, Ford Ranger. Ranger that was my winter beater. And we might have had a couple too many to drink and decided to spray paint a bullseye on the side of the truck and shot at it with a potato gun as he's driving it around. Well, one thing led to another. Justin and I decided, well, we might as well go up and take it around the quote-unquote track. So I'm going up there blowing hot laps around this thing. It's actually the first day my wife met my son. So she never really saw a party in Williamstown, and she thought that, you know, we would be a little more refined the fact that I was meeting my that she was meeting my child, not so much. She still remembers to this day <laughs> taking him, five years old, setting him up on a junk car so he could watch his really intelligent father blowing hot laps around what soon became Bucktona. So Justin felt left out, had a buddy of ours there that had a, a jacked up C10 or something like that, Chevy pickup truck. And Kurt's like, Justin, just take it. So next thing you know, Justin's chasing you around. Up top. So kind of like the start of the race. It was kind of neat. You know, it was a little now instead of having one one vehicle on it, it was two. Justin didn't like the fact that I was in front. So where the apple tree was decided to cut me off. When he cut me off, I didn't want to drive into the back of his truck, even though both of ours were everyday drivers. So I went high and decided to jump a mound and landed on basically something that belly hung me. So I'm teetering on this thing. Good buddy of ours, Tubby, had just bought Justin's truck, went through the whole thing, brand new paint job. So I'll get you out. Went down, grabbed his truck, and drove head on to the front of me to try to drive me out of this thing. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. After the second time, he got me loose. And like I said, at that point, it was it was basically the start of the inevitable. And, uh, you know, the, the track was kind of mapped out you know, kind of because of the fact that these are where the cars were. It originally started because the front stretch was avoiding them. And then turn one and two was because the only place otherwise going to run into the trees, go on the back, stretch, uh, the back stretch that was dried out, and then it popped back on. Now, the last thing we ever thought about, Justin built his house up there and ends up turning out that turn four is going to be almost in his driveway. Yeah. Because he built his house in 08 and Bucktona was 09. But I mean, we had a lot of different races throughout before. Oh, yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Anytime we had a good gathering at Justin's house, if one of us was overly intelligent, we might take a hot lap up there with whatever we were driving. One vehicle or two, but usually nobody was banging into anybody. It was just see if we can get around the track. Now, now who, who all was up there with you guys? Who was oh, it I'm, might be a quicker yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. So it was me, Jared, uh, Sid Sweet. Eric Schlu, Shannon Sweet, Sean Corbett, Richie Clark, probably. Yep. Yeah. And then people would just come up and watch. <laughs> and it's always seemed like you guys have always been the unofficial, official masters of ceremony when it comes to adult drinking before, after. <laughs> Anytime, unplanned professionals. We'd like yeah. to call ourselves. You know, uh, most of, we don't try it. Our wives both would agree that we don't need need a reason to drink, but when we have a reason, it's an excuse for us if we do drink. Yeah. So why not? Why not? Whenever why Sean not? would tell me stories, it was usually 
preferenced with at Justin's. Oh, oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to remember, you're talking about on and off a bachelor in a 1969 trailer. Okay, that owns 13 acres and trusts everybody. So easy to persuade. A hell of a recipe. <laughs> oh yeah, that trailer is something else. I think there was 350 mice living that thing at most of the time. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. It had a brand new race car, a piece of shit truck, and a brand new snowmobile. So I had yeah. stuff figured out. You had your priorities. Yeah, the neighbor had a couple ponds, so the view was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, before even like Bactona, we we won't name any names, but there was one incident. Um I would say it was oh Six oh seven oh seven oh seven. I had my trailer. Yep. So we swept to Sid Sweet's house and play washers, and uh, which is like redneck horseshoes. So we had like a lead. We had like forty teams. Chipper used to go up all the time. Oh yeah, too. absolutely. Yeah. So we had like forty teams. So we'd all put in money towards the end of the year and have a party at the end of the year. This year the party was at my house, and it rained. Poured three inches of rain. Probably it was awful. So one of our good friends, Tom, you know him pretty well. He decided to do some hot laps around um, the track. So with one of, with uh, two, with, I'm sorry, with two of so, Denver Road. So our buddy was driving. Matt White was in the passenger seat, and I was in the back. And he was doing some pretty good laps for the amount of rain that was around the track. And before I built my house, it was all woods and there was a goat trail that kind of went up through to where my driveway is now. So we did four or five hot laps. And at the time, there might have been 70 people down at the garage, probably. So the cars were all parked across the whole front of my lawn. So LA parking. He decided to head on down the hill in that full song. Oh, boy. And he put on his brakes. Yeah, the old Annie lock was kicking in pretty good fashion. Wet grass. Yeah. And he mm. couldn't go anywhere. And he Here says, we well, boys, hang on. This is going to hurt. So we ricocheted off five or six, seven, eight cars. I don't know. And Matt White had a brand new Chevy Silverado. Beautiful. <laughs> and slid sideways. And his driver's door creamed in the bat's truck. And he took a deep breath, looked at Matt and said, I don't think your truck's that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think Needless to say that was the last lap that day around the track. Yeah. I bet. I think I heard about that story from that person I might know. <laughs> it's awesome. killing me that I don't know the name. What you, what you may not understand is that there was three of us taking a piss next to those parked cars. Oh God, yeah. Two minutes before that truck came over the hill. And all of us are watching in slow motion to hear because those anti-locks are really trying like hell to stop that truck. And all of a sudden we're like, holy shit, this is really going to happen. <laughs> and then you just saw a whole bunch of vehicles moving. Some new, some not, but they all moved. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, that was pretty epic. So that was actually like the fire at Thunder or at Bucktona was epic. But this one here might have been a little bit. Well, it's the only time at Bucktona. Yeah. Well, pre-Bucktona or any Bucktona. The insurance cards were handed out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It was That's awesome. Ugly. Yeah, awesome. It was awesome because it wasn't my truck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, Justin, you guys had that tight-knit group really when Sean was racing with you guys on, like, doing Tigers. That was the first time I kind of really noticed, like, 
you guys had this massive group that was always together, always helping each other. And then Sean took me to a couple parties, and that was that was over my head. <laughs> I was a fish out of water on that. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're all family. They're all family. Of course, it was. You know, when I first met, well, I've known Sean and Danny, and, I'm, you know, I remember you in diapers. Uh, so we all grew up in Williamstown, and not a lot to do in Williamstown back in the 90s. And, or uh, 2022. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, at grandmother's house, he used to play uh, BB gun tag. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of us have pellet guns. This one's hurt. Yeah, but. probably shouldn't do that if you're a young kid. No, nope. bad choices. But, yeah, no, it felt pretty lucky uh, with the group we – we're with and we're all in our 20s and uh everyone was into racing and luckily i I think i would speak for most of us most of us were race fans got lucky enough to race that's how i kind of looked at it and banged around for a while had a lot of fun a lot of good memories and meet a lot of good people racing and uh the racing was like a side note was all hanging out like christmas parties and if you saw one you'd see 20 of us wow yeah well, I actually remember when I was in the service, uh, I was over stationed over in Kosovo, and I got a video. I had a camcorder, so my father would send me videos. And Chip Grenier's shop was right across from or Fred Zans, one of them. No, they, they split the shop. Split the shop. Okay, it was right next to my parents' house. And I get this video, and a bunch of very intelligent, not sober guys were driving around, basically in a mud pit behind the shop in front of my parents' house. And I mean, you know, it's it just what we did. It's, I got an idea, give it a whirl and holy shit, did that really just happen? Yeah. Cause we might've got quite a few ideas from Chip and Fred. <clears throat> we used to uh, go down to the race shop and there's, there's probably like on three acres of land. So back behind the race shop in between our parents' house and the race shop was a nice little field. So we used to take dune buggies and, uh, race cars around until one time Fred was taking a junk car and we were towing it like a bumper tube That's a video around, the, around the field and Fred was looking over his rear shoulder to make sure that he wasn't going to hit the shop with the junk car behind him and he ran smack head on into the well for oh. the race oh. and he jumped out and said don't tell Chip <laughs> don't tell Chip <laughs> <laughs> So I think I'm going to blame it on Chip and Fred, how this whole idea started to evolve. Now, with you mentioned your parents, and we talked oh. to Dave Moody, and he kind of mentioned how they reached out to him to make sure you guys stayed out of jail. How understanding of parents do you have? Well, they, uh, they didn't know. Well, they thought I was a complete idiot. I'm like, that's that's past tense or well, they might even that. <laughs> yeah. So we figured, all right, we're gonna have a race. I think this is gonna be a good idea. And I'm gonna send a shout out to Richie Clark. He uh good friend of mine lives down the road. He dug the cellar hole for my house. And he knew he was up there with us, and he's like, You guys could really have something going on here. So in 2009, so I built my house in 08. I finally, I think, moved in right around Christmas time. So he says, for your housewarming, I'm building your racetrack. I'm like, all right, I'm thinking it'll be up there for a couple hours and maybe kind of cut some trees down and make it nice and smooth. So I was working at Bedroin Electric at the time, 
Nick Sweet, Beetle Bailey. So we were working in Burlington most of the time, and Richie says, I'm going up tomorrow, and I'm going to start on the racetrack. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. So I go out my driveway, and I parked, and I stopped, and went, holy fuck, we got ourselves a racetrack. He's like, yeah, I moved some bear. I don't know if you wanted a high bank, but you got a high bank now. Yeah, that was turn one and two. I'm like, One and two, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. like, holy shit. This is like sweet. Like, it, it was like a light shining down from dog. This is like perfect. <laughs> Grab the four-wheeler. Let's see how fast we can go around it. Yeah. yeah so, Richie Clark was a huge, huge uh, influence on. What you have to understand about Richie is, is that dare him not to do something, and he's going to overdo it. Yeah. And he took an idea, and then he took what he can do with dirt and turned it into what became Buck Toner. Now, obviously, we didn't have enough fill to lift up the back scratch or, you know, Lake Bucktona. Yeah, so um, that's the thing I wanted to mention is turns three and four, there's a 15-foot cliff in the middle of it that but, you have to drive up. But, Justin, think about it. <laughs> what better way to slow people down? I know that. If not, that track would be fast. We'd still be picking people out of your house. Oh, yeah, Mini Ridge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so when I started doing it, my parents come up and look at the track. My dad, he don't say too much. He just shook his head. So I got the house that's, whatever, six months old, and I'm going to have a race. But my goal was to have 10 buddies, have some beers, and good enough. I, that that was what I was thinking. So my good brother put it on Facebook. And I had no idea how much social media could actually reach people. That's, that's the day you, you learned. Think, well, think <laughs> about it. So Facebook came out like 2008, right? And... I might have joined somewhere around that time. Now, we always had good times, good parties and stuff like that. So when I started advertising it, I just kind of put the word out a little bit, right, prior to putting out the flyer. And I didn't realize there was a difference between personal and public as far as when you post that stuff. So I just posted it. Oh, this is kind of cool. All of a sudden, start seeing it grow. So, you know, my business, you know, graphic arts, so I decided to make this flyer with you know, the Bucktona, right? Because uh, obviously Justin's Basset Hound was Buck. So I put a Basset Hound on it and all this kind of stuff. So I make this flyer and I put it out there. And as it gets closer, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to just promote it as we get closer to it and see what happens. And unbeknownst to me, social media, <laughs> wow, that's like feed, feeding a flower, you know, fertilizer, because that thing just blew up. Man. And even though that, uh, so I didn't know what Facebook was. I, I'm not on Facebook. I didn't, you know, he still doesn't. back then I didn't know what it was. And Jira's like, oh, I, I put it on Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. What's that? He says, I just told everyone. I'm like, who? He's like, everyone. I'm like, all right. But All I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's bow hunting. There's moose hunting at the time. And then um, there's a race. Um, Riverside had a race that day. I'm like, all right, there won't be too too many people here so i was totally wrong <laughs> totally wrong totally 125 percent wrong when i first knew that maybe we got in over our heads it was almost so my senior project in high school was i did a article a 10-page article on woodstock kind of the closest thing yeah then you had one <laughs> pretty close it was i was so naive about it 
I didn't even have a portalette because I locked my house and no one would go in. I didn't have a portalette, but luckily, my good buddy Dan Lagner married Rachel B. And we had their um, Jack and Jill at my house. And Hardigans luckily forgot to pick up the portalette. So that was key. So we had one portalette. Yeah, one portalette. And uh, yep, me, me and Jared were talking earlier. Um, we, I'll show you later. I actually found it. I have the original sign-in sheet for Bucktona. Oh, my God. I have every single driver that signed in that day. Look at that thing. Oh, oh yeah. it's it's ancient. So me and Jerry went through. There's 21 drivers. Um, signed out of the 43. In, out of the 43 that raced. Yeah. When we you, lift you them mean, off. You mean regular race car drivers? Yeah, that yeah, raced at one time. Yeah. Now, it could time. be... Street stocks, tigers, late yeah. models, enduro. It was some of the names. I'll let me name them off here. Go for it. Mike Rollins, number ninety. Yeah. Sean McCarthy, number twenty-seven. Jordan Dunkling, double odd buck. Casey Miller, oh nine. Brett Pierce, zero. Buttercup. Keith, yeah, the Buttercup. The Buttercup. <laughs> Keith Williams, number sixty-four. Dan Bigelow, number two. MC Ingram, Holy number shit. 63. Marcus Farnham, which brought his street stock. He brought his street stock, yeah. <laughs> After the yeah. Number 13. Craig Grenier, number 40. Chip Grenier, 9 Vermont. Jesse Moran, 312. Ben Ackerman, 991. James Hood, 660. You'll remember him later on when we talk about the fire. Oh, yeah. Jimbo Ducey, 9ET. Bugs Moran, number 69. Randy Johnson, a.k.a. Big Johnson, number 36. Amanda Abel, 13X. John LeVanway, number 29. Justin St. Louis, 107. Yes. Danny Doyle, number 51. Larry Hedges, 07. Brad Luther, 2009. Mike Ducey, fifty-two. Deuce. Deuce. That was a Carrier. that was a warrior car. That oh, was yeah, a warrior car. Yeah. Jordan Carrier, seventy-five. Logan Clark, number seven. Nathan Sweet, number eighty-eight. <laughs> Anthony Sweet, number twenty-five. Justin Hart, number forty-four. Ansel Quinton, twenty-one. Ted Clark, number eight. Bob Bigelow, pace car Bob, number two. Jason Hill, 60. Josh Bernier, 73. Eric Schlue, 44 Triple X. Stone, 007. Nate Pike, 911. Jim Sanborn, number one. Sid Sweet, 30. Dave Parker, number 18. Subway and Dave. Tommy Allard, 7 8s. <laughs> That's the crew. Good God. So we were laughing earlier. I'll read you what we signed. And I didn't have a lick of insurance. No insurance. No. No, nothing. No, I thought it was just a good idea to have a good time. Brand new house. We didn't charge admission. We did have a gut truck there. The I paid five area. bucks. What the hell are you talking about? No admission. <laughs> Maybe for a hot dog off the yeah. Donnie's wagon. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. This was the release of liability when you walked in and my mom was down there. So we yeah. had 500 of these. Now, mind you, my parents are losing their minds. Yeah. Losing their minds. So we had 500 of them and they were gone at noon. 
They yeah. started at one. So this is what the release of liability says. By signing this document, you will waive all legal rights, including the right to sue Justin Hart and all <laughs> properties of Justin Hart. Sounds legit. The risk of injury from activities involved in this event could be significant, including the potential for permanent, perilous, and death. While particular skills and personal discipline may reduce the risk, the risk of serious injury does not exist. I knowingly and freely assume all such risk and assume full responsibility for my participation in this event. I, for myself, in behalf of my hires, hears, assign personal representative and next to kin hereby release and identify and hold harmless harmless Justin Hart his properties all personal belongings on his property (laughs) how do you think that would go over in court oh yeah (laughs) print and sign yeah print and sign if you're under age guardian guardian yeah was definitely in that in that realm. But it was a fighting chance, and we had almost enough to cover, you know, two-thirds of what showed up. <sighs> At what point do you guys start thinking, oh, we're fucked? At 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It actually goes before that. The so, Facebook post. <laughs> it was on a Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday, it had a landline. So I'm at the house, and the guy calls. I didn't notice the number, and he said, why is this Justin? I says, yeah. He says, I heard you're having a race. I live down in North Carolina, and I didn't know if you needed a pace car driver because I'm headed up north, and I got a 2003 Monte Carlo, and do you need a pace car driver? I said, I think I'm all set, and I hung up the phone, and I'm like, we're fucked. <laughs> we're fucked. Bad. Bad. But I was looking at the weather, and it was supposed to rain. And we yep. did say rain or shine. Yep. So bring in Richie again. He said, it's going to pour and it's going to just be a complete mud hole. And the track was perfect. You can do 50 miles, 60 miles an hour with your pickup truck around it early on in the week. It was spooky fast for no roll cages, and zero safety. So you can do it till 10 and three. Yeah. So he said, right. call Larry Heber. See if he can bring some Santa. So I called Larry, Larry, Good friend of ours. He just lives over the hill. And another shout out to Larry Hebert. He brought up two or three dump loads of sand just to, yeah. just to dry up the track. And uh, so I, I'm like, all right, it's going to rain. Maybe that many people won't come, this and that. Well, that was wrong again. And uh, I'll never forget it. The first morning, probably 7 o'clock. Um, I wake up and there's race car haulers sitting in my driveway. And Jared was working at Mulligan's at the time. Yep. And I called him. I said, get the hell up here now. 20, 25 minutes to get to his house. As I'm weaving in and out of traffic on a dirt road in Williamstown, trying to get up to the house, I pull in and he goes, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, what? You said you wanted to have a party. He's like, yeah, you got him here? They're your problem. <laughs> what do you mean? And my father comes up to us. He shows up within a half an hour after I show up. Grabs my brother and I by the shoulders. He looks at us. Goes, "If you build it, they will come." <laughs> yeah. And actually, back to the Dave Bowie part. Um, 
my mom, because she's a nervous wreck, hadn't slept probably for a week. She, and they're very good friends with Dave. And she's like, I called Dave, Justin. I hope you aren't mad. I'm like, I don't get shit. And she's, someone might listen to him. Even if one person listens to him, <laughs> it's going to help out. In the meantime, I got Uncle Berger on the phone saying, you need a flag man? I'd love to do a flag man. <laughs> now, what Justin doesn't realize is why all this stuff's going on, I got this Facebook post. I get a shout out from the safety specs at Thunder Road saying, hey, we're willing to come work for free just to be there. Cool. Uncle B calls us up. I'll grab the flags. Cool. Uh, Aaron Maynard calls me, says, hey, you mind if, you know, we, we video this? I don't give a shit, right? Yeah, that'll that'll but, go well at the trial. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we have all these people calling and everybody wants to be involved. Well, after Justin had called me that morning, and I show up and I realize, all right, we're, we're borderline fucked, but this is going to be epic. Mom, dad, they tell us that, Bert, you know, Berg's coming. Uh, you know, Dave's going to come and give us a hand. I call Berg back, get my cousin Cody Blake on the phone. I said, hey, do you still have your paintball gun? He says, yeah, why? I said, bring it. Why? Just bring it and bring plenty of paint. I had no idea what I had in mind. Basically, when Justin told me it's on me, I'm on his property. I'm on his liability. And I have a whole lot of race cars showing up. I am trying to figure out how I certainly don't want to be on the sidelines standing next to the track trying to tell people you're doing something wrong, right? You're not going to wave a pink flag or a black flag at them. So maybe a little hungover from my, my best friend from the service had come up from Ohio. So he obviously thought we were batshit freaking crazy when he shows up and sees what started, right? And I called Cody. Basically what I wanted was the only way we could communicate with these drivers that we went over inside the safety meeting was if you get shot, in the windshield with a paintball gun, you're doing something wrong. If we fill your windshield, pull off the track. I mean, it was genius, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what better way to communicate than to shoot somebody with a paintball gun? The only we had one casualty there with a paintball gun. Chip Vanier during a red flag was parked in front of me, and he wasn't doing anything wrong, but his window was open, and Cody handed me the paintball gun. And I might have shot Chip a little bit closer to, you know, <laughs> the mommy-daddy button than most people would have thought. <laughs> Chip, if, if you're listening to this, I apologize again because, yeah, yeah, he squirmed a little bit. I thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> All the way down that and down uh, Gilbert Road, weren't they, when you showed up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, we dropped the car off a few days ahead of time. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's right. We did. Some and we were did. not the first one either. Yeah, no. And actually, uh, during that week, Teddy Clark, uh, Clark's Collision, had his out front with on the quarter panel or in something, basically said Bucktona 2009 on the side of it. And as I'm driving by, yeah, it's so cool. And then I got thinking to myself, how big is this really going to be? Yeah. Yeah. And unbeknownst to us, it was legendary. Justin, you're still racing at the time, correct? Uh, no, I got done in 07. Okay. Built the house in 08. I raced a couple times, but not. I think I played around with Todd Ruda's car, which he I traded my race car in for my frost walls for my garage, and then he rebuilt it, and I got to drive it a couple times. So it was a good trade off. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever hear word from Tom Curley about your promoting debut? You know something I because I was at the time helping Chip in the pits, and I thought that maybe Tom might have said something. He didn't. Uh, Tina might have mentioned something. 
some stuff a couple times. Uh, nothing bad or nothing, but she's like, yeah, I heard about your gathering. I said, you should have gone. <laughs> I think to this day, there's still people that wish they had gone. You know, locals that didn't make it, locals that heard about it, even people that are farther off that had heard about it. They're like, what, what exactly happened? And honestly, unless you were there, you really can't grasp everything that went on that day. When I looked over, uh, right before the fire, I looked over and all I could see was Jeremy Douillet. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, Douillet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeremy. Yeah, the Jeremy. Who let the dodge out? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, just before we started recording this, I showed Tom my photo album on Facebook from that day. And I was looking through it and, like, the shit you see in those pictures is crazy. But you're right. It, the pictures or anything, it just doesn't even capture what happened that day. Like the the atmosphere, the mood, everybody was just there to have a good time. Yeah, we had I'm a good standing time. on the bus trying to make things go smoothly. And I remember during the race, I remember looking over and seeing a woman pushing a stroller across the track to the infield to get a better view from what she wanted to see. During the race. Under green. <laughs> <laughs> that was a true story. I mean, we, we had a pretty good wall system set up. I went down to Key Sprague's farm and grabbed 14 hay bales. And, uh, yeah, that was our wall. That was protecting well, people. That was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was the spectator wall. The yeah. turn one wall was pretty amazing, too. It was just well, a bunch of cars. Car, the junk yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah, so that, that same car that we did our first couple laps at Bucktona. That was Sid Sweet's enduro car that wrecked. So that we pushed it up with a tractor, I think, and parked it on top just for a wall. I don't think it really did much. I don't. I don't believe. No. Well, you were driving on it half the race. Oh yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. That, that old Jetta went pretty good. We had you know we had two rules for Bucktona. The only two rules was you had to wear a helmet. Now it didn't have to be DOT, but you had to wear a helmet, and it. Couldn't be four-wheel drive. Those are the only rules that happened. And then if you got shot at with a paintball gun, well, if anybody wants to ask who was the first one shot with a paintball gun, it was the owner of the property. And a 1997 oh, Jetta. 97 Jetta, purple. Yep. Yep. First gear bouncing off the rev limiter, driving around the bus because the front stretch was, was yep. clogged up. Yep. And, Justin, you might remember this. When we first started it, the whole idea of the Heart 100 was basically kind of like the Enduro. Get everybody on the track. We're going to do 100 laps. You know, survival of the fittest. Well, because it had rained, people couldn't get enough momentum to get through the mud. So we got this quick – I'm talking to Uncle B. We get this quick brainstorm. Let's divide it up, make it kind of like a series. All right, we're going to break it up into two or three. They'll run 25, next run run 25, just trying to overall be 100 laps, but try to break it down so that way people can get momentum to get through the shit that was on the backstretch. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of what evolved. Like I said, the whole race itself, we had an idea. It started with something. But as it went on, we had to evolve because, honestly, if you had that 41, it was 42 cars that showed up, 41 that were able to race because – Two cars either didn't start or something was going on. So 41 cars were on the track. Well, it was like the Enduros, three-quarters of the day around the track. Yeah. So nobody was moving fast enough. Well, once we divided that up into, you know, 20 cars, shit started moving. 
yeah, it was fun. Oh, absolutely. You you actually felt like you were in a race rather than you know stuck in traffic. Yeah. yeah. Which you know, the first three to four laps, whatever it was on what was supposed to be the hundred lapper, I think I maybe hit fifteen miles an hour once. Sure. You know, it was you know, you sat there on the front stretch and waited for the pile to stop to kind of snake through and I put the car in park under green, you know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's the way it was, yep. <laughs> but, uh, before the racing though, let's talk about the driver's meeting and, and all that stuff. And it is a damn good thing that you had Dave Moody there. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Dave. And that he's yeah, going to listen to this Dave. and he's going to say, yep, I saved the day, but he did. Oh yeah. He did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he definitely looked at us like our parents did. Like you guys are a bunch of fucking idiots, but if, there's any saving grace, I'm going to do my best to help. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually didn't meet or didn't go to the driver's meeting. I was parking cars. Yep. And uh, I think my dad was dad up there too. With the dad was meeting. up there. Yeah. yeah. Me and Dave. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah Alex Berger and, and Moody were kind of the stars of the show. Yeah. And you kind of need that father figure to kind of hold down the, the coyotes, you know, because <laughs> everyone's pretty pumped up. I'm glad we started at noon or one o'clock. And not four o'clock, because that would have been even worse. I told, so mom called me instead of called Dave. I'm like, all right. So then we kind of had a game plan. Like, Dave, you've been around racing the whole time. Tell people what you would do. Treat it like it's your own. Like, just tell, <laughs> keep your helmets on and don't do anything stupid because. You could have that many people there and have a good time. If one person gets hurt, then it's not a good time anywhere. And like you said earlier, Justin, the atmosphere there, there was no fights. Like everyone, it was like Christmas. It was like, it was, yeah, it, it was, was uh, just very, very awesome time. And uh, when the fire happened, I'll jump ahead real quick. When the fire happened, so Randy Johnson went into turn one and James Hood, our buddy, which he's, Quite a cowboy. Oh, yeah. And when it all went up in flames, Dave and my dad come over to me and says, we got to stop this. We're done. I'm like, there's 700 people here to see a race. The show must go on. They're like, you're freaking crazy. And Richie Clark was on the same page as all of us. Yeah, Richie's out there with his backhoe and bulldozer picking it up. <laughs> bury bury the car to put the fire out. That thing would not go out. It was an hour. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a gas fire, so yeah, yeah. It would, that would like not. Everyone's actually. What happened there was that was a racing deal. I like yeah. I like to call it a racing deal, yeah. and they weren't being stupid or nothing. And no, I'm like, we we got to keep look at all the people here. We got to keep racing, and luckily after that there was uh, no issues. Well. Not that many issues. No, but it, that was an eye opener too. You know, everybody was invincible until that. Oh happened. yeah. And, oh yeah. You know, I mean, it took an hour for that fire to go out. New England weather is unpredictable, and when the power goes out, you'll need a backup plan. That's why you should call Bushy's Generator Sales and Service in Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. Bushy's is the number one Briggs & Stratton dealer in the state of Vermont, and they'll help you every step of the way, from sales and installation of Kohler and Briggs and & Stratton home standby propane generators to service and maintenance on all makes and models of generators from 10 kilowatts to 200. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service has been in business for 10 years, and they cover all of Vermont and New Hampshire, as well as Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York. 
you need a backup plan, call Bushy's Generator Sales and Service at 802-591-1903 or visit their Facebook page or bushysgenerator.com. Plus, you know, you can always talk racing with Ben because he's won a lot more races than I ever have. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service of Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. We keep your power on. Barry Tile and Morrison Clark Incorporated have got you covered, literally. They're your number one stop in central Vermont for all types of flooring, whether it's tile, carpet, hardwood, or any other type of flooring, indoor or outdoor, for your home or your business. Barry Tile staff are qualified installers who can offer you real-world flooring experience and knowledge that you don't always find in the big chain stores. But you don't need our endorsement. They've been family-owned and operated since 1972, which means they're celebrating 50 years in business in 2022, and that stands for itself. And hey, not only are they great at what they do, they're racers too. You got it, man. Check out Barry Tile's Facebook page to see some examples of their incredible work. You can call them the old-fashioned way, 802-476-0912, or just stop into the showroom, 889 South Barry Road in Barry, Vermont. Make sure that you tell them that the guys at Uncommon Deeds sent you. You guys had fire extinguishers. You had a lot of them, which was, if there was one thing that you planned for, it was that. But they all got used in that fire. Yeah, yeah they they did. And I was actually on the four-wheeler with Richie Clark's boy, Logan. And we were driving the four-wheeler. We couldn't go down the road. There wasn't much room. But we have a trail that takes two miles to go to Richie's house. And we grabbed more fire extinguishers there. By the time we got back with them, Richie had it pretty well buried. Yeah. But hindsight 2020 is like two people or multiple people could have burned to death. <laughs> and yeah. I'm I'm David with Bob McCaskill. So I oh know. Oh, my God. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, and he was up there. He oh, was he having was... a good time. <laughs> so wow. I kind of know what, you know, you, the older you get, you kind of think about that stuff. Yeah. It was 700 people and no one grabbed a phone to call the fire department. No, the fire department know. can see. Don't trust me. They saw the smoke. Yeah, most of them. I know them. Most of them were up there anyway. True <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, like they were. Yeah, most of them were up there, and because there was cars parked down the road, like a half mile on both sides. So even if they wanted to get up there, I don't really think the fire truck would have made it. Yeah. And our biggest thing was when the fire happened was to make sure that everybody. We knew the people driving the cars. We made sure that we had a account that nobody was there and obviously that was our biggest fear was something like that happening justin's one of those guys that has a party like this with no insurance huge liability i mean everything going on but came out smelling like a like a bunch of roses right and i remember my mom came to me when everything kind of happened right not even the fire but just the party itself and she goes your brother can lose everything and I looked at her and I said, who the hell is going to sue Justin Hart? <laughs> you know, obviously today's world is a little bit different, but the mentality was, I mean, anybody that's known my brother loves him to pieces and he's about as honest and as, as the day is long. And I truly believe that when everything was going on, it was like, really? Who's going to sue Justin Hart? I don't know how my parents dealt with it, tell you the truth, Justin and Tom. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if your kids right now said, we're going to build a racetrack. I'd show them pictures of Buck Tona and say, the hell you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the worst part about it is, you know, we haven't 
brushed up on this one. When it first started and Justin was thinking, you know, the minute population as far as, you know, 10 drivers, maybe, you know, 50 or 60 people. When that whole thing started, when we all started, you know, you had mentioned earlier as far as our collective group, we really thought pre-Buctona, it's like, okay, if this really takes off, you know, who else has land that we can actually have a racetrack at? Maybe you can make this kind of a circuit once a year. Now, we kind of obviously paved the road and a lot of people learned. And obviously it's never happened since. Um, but our mentality was if this really takes off, kind of like Woodstock, like why not make it an annual thing? We'll pick a different track, a homemade freaking track in Vermont and make it a, a good party. Who's dumb enough to freaking hold it, right? Yeah. Just, just, Justin's the ringleader. We yeah. got to the point. So a friend of mine owns Lafayette guardrails. So he's like, any guardrails you want, you can have them. So I'm like, no shit, this is going to be sweet. <laughs> I'm not going to have to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I didn't realize that there's a racing committee in the state of Vermont. And then yeah. environmentalists, too. Yeah. Yeah. State of Vermont played it very well. They uh, When they found out about Bucktona 2, uh, they didn't let us know any of the information as far as what they were thinking until a week before. And then Justin and I got this laundry, he called me up, he got this laundry list of things that have to be done in order for us to move forward with it. And part of it was it has to have seating, it has to have guardrails, it has to have an infield, it has to have, you know, anything to containment, uh, safety crews, laundry list, right? Obviously insurance. So we got the insurance. That was the one thing that we knew learning from the first year. Let's get insurance. And, uh, Close the hell on. You got insurance for the second year? The second yeah. year I had insurance. Yeah, because actually I went, so there's a couple of people in town that uh, heard about, they weren't even there, they heard about it. Long story short, I was down at uh, Pump and Pantry grabbing some stuff, and the guy comes up, and I had a Heart 100 sticker in my truck. And I had the day off, I was kind of cleaning up around the house, and uh Guys, I was getting in my truck, and he says, uh, I see your sticker in your truck. Do you know Alex Hart? And I said, yes, my dad. He says, I've been kind of looking for him. Heard he had a race at his house. I said, uh, uh, it's my house. And he says, well, I just uh, went up to your house and took a poke around. and Not creepy at all. Yeah, yeah, I'm, like, scared. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, like, uh, he's, like, I'm an environmentalist from the state. I heard you buried a car out back of your house. I walked around it and I couldn't see nothing buried. I'm like, well, we buried it because we had a fire last year, but it's gone. And he says, I see you got a fire going out in the field right now. And some of the stuff inside that fire shouldn't be in there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Like Nick Sweet said, little golden oak there, black oak, I think is what he said. (laughs) There was some other stuff. There was some wood in there too, but I'm like, holy shit. So the select board called me and said, you got to come in front of the select board. Some people in town, one or two people, didn't really care for what you were doing. So I went to the select board, and the, the, the guy that was complaining didn't know that they were all up there and had a great time. <laughs> so I brought, I brought a, pro, a proposal up and said, this is what I want to do. How can I do it? And Larry, I think, was head of select board. Oh, yeah. Larry Hebert, and he says, if you go through all the permits, I don't have a problem with it. And everyone else said, I think it would be good for the town. 
get all your permits? We have no problem with it. I'm like, sweet. So then I started to get into all the ins and outs. And I can't even email, so I'm not going <laughs> to sit there and deal with the state environmentalist. I'm good. I'm like, yeah, that was a, that was a good time. <laughs> that select board meeting after Buttona, obviously a couple people in town had raised a stink about it. Yeah. Unbeknownst to us who it was, but they raised a stink about it. So it's this huge conversation at the select board meeting. And one of the guys is like, I cannot believe this happened. And they went to look at the rest of the select board and three quarters of them were already there saying it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean you were there? Yeah, we were there. Yeah. They didn't have an issue, but yeah, there's a racing committee and Darren, I mean, obviously you have to have it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's only two states in the country with a, with a racing commission and it's us in New Jersey and they regulate everything. Every square inch of the racetrack property is regulated. Um, Justin, where were you in 2010? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, you could, you might have been able to get away with it because Beaver Dragon was on the, the committee for a long time and oh, Chummy really? Little Pearl and some of your friends, you know. The, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Randy Therian was for a while. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So yeah. you probably should have well, reached out earlier. <laughs> well, and like I said, the second year we had learned, obviously, from my parents' fear about the insurance and just losing everything. And then moving forward as far as the list state gave us. So we, we had everything in front of us. And then looking at Justin, you know, he basically looks back at 2009, but, you know, the original Heart 100. And he's like, you know, Jared, it was a good time. But we've already hired a band. We've already got the insurance. Fuck it. Let's have a party. So it changed from, you know, Bucktona 2 to burning down the backstretch at Bucktona. So we had a huge, huge bonfire. We had a, a band hired and we had waivers. That year we actually came prepared and had probably 700 waivers printed. And yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, we were a little bit more prepared that year as far as for the worst. The first year was shooting from the hip, you know, loaded gun. This is amazing. And the second year was, all right, we're going to try to do this the right way. And then, like I said, the, the, the laundry list they gave us, Justin and I sat down and talked. And it's like, we probably could do it, but is it worth it? And we looked at each other. We already hired the band. Well, you know, let's just have a party. And that's what it became. And it's cut our losses. We'll always remember Bucktona. We'll always remember the Heart 100. And, uh, I mean, here we are talking, what, almost 13 years later. And... It's still as epic now as it was back in 2009. Yeah. And the people that weren't there wish they were. And the people that were there are still talking about it. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Justin? You drove race cars before. And I drove a street stock at Tiger and a late mall a couple of times. And I've never had so much fun in my entire life. No, absolutely. It's, and I've said that publicly many times, that it was the most fun I've ever had uh, in a race car or probably anywhere else. Um, it, was, it was insane. Yeah. It was yeah, totally remember- insane. Remember, Chip had his car all dolled up, and he had his half-face helmet, and he pulled up to me and says, I'm selling my fucking car. Yeah. Let's just do this every week. <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty cool. And um, so my father was diagnosed with cancer 24 hours before that race. That was the last thing we ever did. that soon? Wow. Yep. Yep. He sat me down. That was The race was, what, a Saturday, right? Yeah. So Friday night, I got home from work, and he, and he sat me down and said, hey, I got some bad news. And okay he says we're still going to that fucking race tomorrow <laughs> i says all right 
let's go. And by the end of it, he was tired and he actually left me there and I had to find a ride home. But, um, that was the last thing we ever did together, uh, before he went in the hospital. And that day kind of got him through like the, the preparation of dying of cancer, you know, like that was, that was the positive thing that, that he held on to, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty damn special. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I remember I talked to him out there and he's like, this is pretty cool. This yeah. is pretty cool. And yeah. He seemed like he had a great, great time. Well, of course you and I started racing street stocks the same year together Yep. and you kicked my ass, <laughs> but so he knew you from that. You know, I don't think that we, we weren't like best buddies or anything because we just didn't know each other that well, but you know, he was like, that's the, that's the kid from the street stock. Right. And I said, yeah, that's Justin Hart. He goes, Jesus Christ. How do you do this? I don't think he knows. <laughs> no, 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 no. Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, I, was, I was actually watching one of Streisberg's videos there. And our first street stock race, I almost demolished your car. Yeah. I probably did demolish. Oh, well, I know I did. I, no, yeah, no, I you sp- someone spun you out. And my dad always told me, don't look over your hood. Guess what I was doing? Looking right <laughs> at my hood pants. And if we had mirrors on, I would have <laughs> clipped yours. <laughs> Do we have hair back then, Juice? No, I was losing mine by then. Yeah. yeah I started was, going bald at 17. So Yeah, so I was 19. Yeah. I was 19. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was 19 when we were rookies. I started losing my hair when I was at eh, 27, 28, probably. <laughs> and the rest of it fell out of Bucktona. <laughs> I think, yeah, probably. No, that was bad. The rest, <laughs> yeah, the rest right. of dad fell out of Bucktona. <laughs> In fact, after the race, mom took mom and dad took Buck home. Just to keep an eye on them because there's so many people. Oh, and then, and then they lost power at their house because some guy left oh. Buckton and hit a telephone pole. Jesus. But he got out of it. He was all right. He's all right. <laughs> He's good. He may or may not have worked on a car at Thunder Road. And I got to give a shout out too to Craig Grenier and Bugs Moran because actually they, uh, Bugs Moran, because he was up there partying with us and said when the hell are we gonna have the heart 100 so that was like in 2005 and then when we got this whole thing going we didn't know what we we're gonna name it like gilbert road speedway or we didn't have any names and craig's like we all used to call grofton groftona he's like how about bucktona i'm like heart 100 at bucktona that sounds pretty good thanks gregor <laughs> and why kiss a cow when you can why kiss a cow it's buck uh, is buck still with us oh no 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 now he'd be like 150 right now i think and <laughs> <laughs> buffering harder than his father yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> but you know honestly at that time and i don't know what article it was justin it might have been something that you wrote but i remember in an article the saying was everybody wins at Bucktona." Yeah, and that those words speak so much truth because you're right. Everybody did win there. Everybody had a great time. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. There was no fights. There was no. Everybody enjoyed the day, regardless of the weather, regardless of who was there, what what went on, who won. Everybody loved everything about it. And when you're talking about 700 people, 41 drivers, different backgrounds, different upbringings. Different scenarios. The end result, if you left there and didn't have a good time, that was your own fault. 
to put it in perspective, the Saturday crowd at the Milk Bowl isn't 700 people. Right. You know, I mean, this is. And you're talking about a mile up Chelsea Road yeah. in Williamstown, Vermont, on 13 acres. In the rain. In the rain. And I'm going to tell you right now, when Justin gets back, I'm taking a piss. <laughs> Thankfully, it did rain. Yeah. Because obviously everybody had a great time. And like I said, my buddy from the service came out here from Ohio, thought we were absolutely batshit crazy, could not believe what kind of parties that we could throw. And obviously, this was epic, right? The next day was the Hangover 50. And any car that was still running, there was probably 20 of us that hopped in those cars, and that track was fast. God oh. blessed us with rain to slow us down because I tell you right now, on Sunday, that track was fast. And it was awesome. I actually got to the point that Justin and I were talking about on our way down here. A buddy of mine, Josh, had a, was it an enduro car. I think it was a Ford Escort. And we were racing around. We raced until they died, and we hopped in another car that was still running. You know, obviously, May continued the drinking from the night before, having a great time. And I think Ducey told me about this. Tears off the right front of this Ford Escort. And instead of just leaving bygones, if you give up bygones, he says, screw it, still running. Grabs a cinder block, puts it on the gas pedal. The oil pan is leaking out, right? Let's see how long this thing will last. So we're hanging around what's ever left of the fire, drinking some beers, and listening to this car bounce off the rev limiter for 20 minutes before it starts sounding a little rough. All of a sudden, sparks come, start coming out of the freaking hood. Now we have our second fire of Buckona. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was another good one. Actually, Justin, uh, I remember you were telling me that night, I'll be back to grab my car. I'm like, all right. Well, you left your keys in it. So <laughs> I was in the 107. Yeah. <laughs> I think you had a cone on top, too. I did. Yeah. We had a oh, cone yeah. on the roof. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It didn't last much more than four or five laps. And no. Now we wrecked it. <laughs> yeah. How'd you they steer were- it? Because I, I broke a tie rod or something. I hit somebody was on the backstretch and I freaking oh, yeah. wailed him. Yeah, that's right, because the right front was all, yeah. all funky. Oh, yeah. and it was the other car that was racing. Justin just drove it around. <laughs> you know, high water Nansen, fender fender. You yeah. guys should have been there in the morning when I woke up. I walked out, and it looked like Moldock, Junkyard, and Hannaford's blew up. I went, oh, my God. <laughs> well, not to mention National Lampoon's vacation. The shitter is full, Clark. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, that was awful. I say right now, I feel sorry for anybody that sat down in that thing because it was up to the brim. We only have one. It's still brush hog. It's still brush hog, hog radiators. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, it's a lot better than what it was. If you go over, like, Buttercup launches Cairo to turn one. Yeah. And I brush hog his radiator. You think I'd pick it up? I brush hog his radiator. Every year. Every year. What is that noise? Oh, Buttercup Radiator. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the remains of something that's abandoned. You know, um, Buckona's basically turned almost into flat ground, place for Justin to push snow. He's trying to fill the back stretch so there's not so much water. But, um, yeah, I got some stumps where, cause remember the elevation change, you know, so oh, yeah. we're, what, 10, 15 feet probably. Yeah. And, and so I want to get that all leveled out 
So we all have young boys. So maybe they can eat around sometimes. Yeah, hell of a snowmobile track. Well, we yeah, actually talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Getting some old ones and racing it around it because it'd be a little bit safer than what we established in 09. Right. But when the Mega Box, maybe I could put a dome over it and give the Chili Bowl a run. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> it probably won't happen. <laughs> go-karts are big right now. You could have had a nice dirt go-kart track. Yeah. That would be pretty sweet. Be a train wreck, Dustin. Tom, don't give me any ideas. No. <laughs> Facebook's still going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we are going to build up the backtrack, so we'll see what happens. Keep us the hell informed, please. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It'll yeah. be our first call. Oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing. What did we learn that day, boys? Uh, life's good. Trust your friends. When Justin Hart is a bachelor, anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, met some awesome people that day. If I had to do it over again, we'll see. <laughs> Justin and I were going down the racing list that the actual drivers. On who the hell is that? Not a clue. Yeah. And that right there kind of sums up what went on. We have no idea who showed up, who participated. Yeah. But to this day, 13, almost 13 years later, anybody who brings it up, you can tell just by looking at them if they were there or not. Yeah. When I knew it was uh, a big show, remember the racing princess? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, because Riverside had a big race that day. Yeah, she yeah. She traveled everywhere. And she was like one of the first ones up. I'm like, princess? She's like, I had two choices, Bucktona or Riverside. I'm coming here. And when she laughed, like she was gloating. I'm like, that makes you make feel good. You out-promoted Dick Therian that day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do much. I was just, I, Jared out promoted Dick Therian. Yeah, I just like <laughs> I said, I just, my, Facebook out promoted Dick Therian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was it was all by accident. It was Justin's thought. All of us bullshitted about it, and me not knowing anything about social media versus personal and public. And like I said, when Justin called me up and said, "Get your ass over here," and I said, "Why?" He said, "Just get over here." The last thing I expected that I was going to have to weave traffic just to go figure out why I was there. And like I said, here we are 13 years later, and it, it holds a kind of a special place in your heart. You go on YouTube or anything like that, there's still videos. Oh, yeah. There's only one Heart 100, you know, and uh, it was it was a pretty amazing day. And thankfully, for Justin's sake, for all of ours, good, bad, or indifferent, everybody enjoyed themselves. Nobody got hurt. Justin still has what he had. Yeah, nobody sued Justin Hart. That's, no. that's pretty cool. That's the answer mm-hmm. to the question. Not yet. Maybe this podcast will remind <laughs> someone that they should. <laughs> <laughs> and after all that, all the people, the band, the race, the cops never showed up until midnight, and uh, they were awesome. Uh, one of our buddies kicked someone out for underage drinking or whatever, and they come up and said, "What's going on here, Mister Hart?" I said, well, we had a little race. We had a little band. And they looked around, and they said, well, Mr. Hart, carry on. Looks like you guys are having a good time. I'm like, thank you very much. I'm like, no fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't believe it. That is the beauty of the small town. Absolutely. And it's funny because me and my sister are the only Corbett's that weren't born and lived in Williamstown. But I would right. spend, obviously, almost every weekend in the summers with my grandmother 
So I kind of get to know everybody. And you love Williamstown outside of he's in, in Williamstown basketball games for the most part. But it's it, there's very few small towns like a Williamstown, like a Hardwick, like something like that where you could do something like that without people ruining it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get away with it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I still remember, I was telling Justin the way here, one of my other favorite memories of Bucktona is a very close friend of ours, Tubby Washburn, Brent Washburn, shows up in that truck that he got me when we first started, uh, you know, not really Bucktona, but when we first started the track layout, when he drove his truck into the front of mine, still had that same truck, pulls up to Justin's trees, lights it up, blows his tires out, and goes, there, now I won't leave. And he was there for the weekend. Uh, he slept in his truck. For three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Williamstown, you know, shocker, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Like I said, Justin, you asked for this. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. And it's something that I will never, ever forget. Now, in that article you wrote after Dad passed, wow. that was sweet. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. I looked at Justin, it's like everybody took what they could out of Bucktona. But reading your article about dad and that time that you guys shared, I mean, I got chills just thinking about it. That was, that's what it's all about. That's when we started this, when Justin obviously talked about it, when it blew up farther than what we, we expected, the outcome was exactly what we're looking for, just tenfold. Right. It was people showing up to have a good time, enjoy the day, enjoy each other's company, and make the most of it. And that article you wrote about dad and the last time you guys, it's absolutely amazing. Now, mission accomplished, guys. We will have a 20-year anniversary. All right. We are closer to that than we are further away from the Uh, world. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks again to Jared and Justin Hart. I must say, I think it took me until like, almost halfway through that conversation we had before I realized like it never clicked that you were both Justin. <laughs> what? And we were saying it and then I was like, Oh, okay. I kept saying Justin and you both kind of look and I was like, it, I, Oh man, I was not on, <laughs> I was not on I top of that. It didn't like hmm. really click for me until Justin said he, Something about, oh, I just keep calling you Juice because we're both Justin. I'm like, oh, That's true. Yeah. okay. I think at one point I said my Justin. <laughs> I'm proud to be your after. Justin, Tom. That might have been after. I don't recall. Uh, and Justin Hart is Juddy. I don't know. People call him Juddy. We didn't, but. A, uh, a very fun episode. And I'm glad. I'm actually glad that it happened almost a year later than when we initially reached out to do it. Totally. Yeah. We've built up that kind of core audience. And I think more people are going to enjoy this episode than probably would have after. Sure. The, I think we're going to run it the same week as the Moody episode. Right. Yep. You and your foresight thinking, let's hold this for a year. Yeah, I don't know if it was that or more, you know, they didn't get back to me and I was like, oh, okay. They don't want to talk. (laughs) I won't push it.
All right. Jared's oh, big. It's a big man. Yep. No, we uh, are super fun. Absolutely. And we're not going to go too long here on the close as we realize we are bringing you a lot of audio for your ear holes this week. So, and you are, and we already, we talked about this. We already waxed poetic about year one at the end of the Kenny Tremont episode. So if you want some, some of our thoughts about the first year, go back, listen to that episode, not just for that, but it was actually a really, really good episode. The, yeah, it was. the conversation in itself. So if you already listened to it, go listen again. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so we're not going to do that. So don't expect that today or with Friday's episode. So we're going to keep it short and sweet. First of all, make sure you're following us on all the socials. Uncommon Deeds on Twitter and Facebook. Uncommon Deeds podcast on the Instagram. The Instagram. If you are interested in joining this wacky, wacky Uncommon Media family, whether you want to sponsor the Uncommon Deeds podcast, the Crunch Punch podcast, both podcasts, or maybe you have a media idea or a podcast idea that you think we can help you with or that we would want to run with, you can reach out to us on any of those socials or send us an email, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. And if you want one of those sweet, sweet decals that we were talking about at the beginning of the show, um, drop us a line either through email or direct message on Facebook is probably the easiest way to get a hold of us. But uh, yeah, let's get some of those decals out the door and into your paws. Yeah, the first gens are gone. Only second gens. I like what you did there. Thank you. You didn't see it, but I took a bow. Yeah, he did. So thank you, everybody, for listening to this bonus podcast, The Legend of Bucktona, right here on the Uncommon Deeds podcast, a production of Uncommon Media.